Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad that you are joining us for another hope-filled message. And our prayer is that you are encouraged by this powerful Sunday sermon. Uh, you know, I know you guys have uh, just started the new series on community, which I love because I actually feel like that's who we are. We are a family. Amen? I feel like I could break out in song. We are family. But I won't do that. And, uh, but, you know, I, I was thinking about the Bible says, in the beginning, God, uh, I love it. He said, let us. Everybody say us. Everybody say us. us. Let us make man in who? Our image. Us, our. Not singular, but plural. God didn't say, I will make man in my image. He said, let us. And so God was referring to the community in which he is in existence. He is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He is not singular. There's a plural. There's a community. So God said, let us make man in our image. So if we are made in the image and the likeness of God, then surely we are called to be in community because we're made in his likeness, in his image. And then I think it's really interesting when you look at how the Bible says, when God said, when he made Adam, and he goes, and he searched the whole earth, everything he created, all the animals, everything, birds, fish, everything that creeps on the ground. And then he looks and he goes, it's not good for man to be alone. So let me ask you a question. Was God there when he said that? He was there. And yet God was there. And yet God himself says, I am not all Adam needs. This isn't good. Man is alone. God was there when he said he was alone. So God is not all you need. I don't need a church. I don't need a pastor. All I need is God. No, no. God said, let us make man in our image. We were created to be in community. No wonder the Bible says, Proverbs 18, verse 1, he who isolates himself, it says, seeks his own desire and rages against all wisdom. We were never created to be in isolation. I just want to say to your life, look at me, we need each other. We are created in the image of God to be in community. There's nothing like the church. There's nothing like the family of God. And then he said, I will make Eve. I will make a woman. And when God brought Eve to Adam, he said, now you, Adam, you name her. You give her her identity. And then God said, he saw all that he made and it was good. Here's the thought. We are created by God to be in community. We are called by God. Now, I know with COVID and all the pandemic and all the quarantine and the isolation, we got all these lockdowns going on. And, you know, I'm not trying to say that was negative, but I do think we have to be careful that we don't learn to live a life of isolation. We need each other. Can anybody say amen? We are created in the image and the likeness of God to be in community. So I got a message for you today with that thought in mind, that God wants us to not just be by ourselves. We are stronger together. Two are better than one. Amen. And so I love to collect thoughts. Some people collect coins. Some people collect cars. Uh, some people collect motorcycles. Uh, I know one of my relatives apparently is, the, uh, is a stamp collector, and he's the leading authority of stamped collections in the world. Whenever some stamp needs to be authenticated, they will fly him wherever to authenticate the stamp. That's cool. He's into that. 
Now, he tells me he's the leading voice. I wouldn't know one stamp from another, but I believe him. So I don't collect stamps. I don't collect coins. I don't collect cars. But what I do collect are wisdom thoughts. And I've been teaching in our church out of Proverbs. And uh, I want to go to just one proverb, Proverbs 11, verse 25. Look at this. It says, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. I want you to put this message in the context of community, about the city in which you live, the people who God's called you to reach. It starts in your family, and it spills out into your church, and then it'll to go out into the community. Can you say amen to that? And I believe there's some things here, just three thoughts I want to bring out. Here's the first thought. God wants us to be generous. God wants us to be people who seek to live a life of generosity. So I got some thoughts about that because I collect thoughts. Here's the thought. Number one, always give out a strength. Never give away your strength. Always give out of your strength. Don't give away your strength. I've heard some people say, why doesn't the church sell its building and all this technology and give it all to the needy of the city, and that'll be good for today, maybe for a few months even. But how many know the city's still going to be in need in a year from now? But now the church has got nothing left to give. So we give out of our strength. We don't give away our strength. Come on, somebody say amen. Here's another thought. Yeah, give the Lord a hand if you're going to give him a good one. Come on. I love what Simon Wheel says. He goes, and I think this is so true. Attention is the rarest and the purest form of generosity. Attention is the, so don't just make generosity about money. Here, I love this thought, attention is the rarest, and that's true, and the purest form of generosity. Do you realize just stopping to talk to someone and giving them attention is in and of itself a generous thing to do? We all live busy lives. And here's the thought. We've got to be interruptible. We've got to be willing to stop and acknowledge and talk to people and have conversations with people. 90% of the miracles Jesus performed, study it, was a result of a direct or an indirect interruption. He stopped and was able to give people attention. And as a result of that moment of stopping and being interrupted, miracles happened. Think about it. The blind man yelled out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The woman with the issue of blood touched the hem of his garment. And he said, who touched me? Zacchaeus was up a tree. And he said, come down. I'm going to your house for dinner. I want, I want us to be known as people who are generous. And attention is the rarest and the purest form of generosity. Who can say amen? So how do I know the difference between prosperity and greed. How do I know if I'm, you know, I can get a wrong understanding of, I might just actually be greedy. So how do I know the difference between prosperity and greed? And it's real simple. It's wrapped up in this word, generosity. Generosity is the difference between prosperity and greed. To think about it. Because if you're making life all about you, you, you kind of have this idea, gimme, 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 my name's Jimmy. Sorry if your name's Jimmy, by the way. Take, 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 my name's Jake. That's enough about me. Let's talk about you. What do you think about me? Can I just tell you, he who is wrapped up in himself is a very small parcel. Can you say amen? And so 
I love what Winston Churchill says. Listen to this quote. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. I love that. So I know the Bible, Jesus said, whoever is first should be, is going to be last, and whoever is last will be first. You should walk into a banquet. You should never take the most prominent seat. You should take the least seat and then have someone invite you to come and sit more forward. But, you know, think less of yourself and think more of others. But there are some things we should be first in. I wrote down a few ways in which I believe we should strive to be first. We ought to be the first to smile. We live in a very confused world today. Can you say amen? It's a very confused world. And there's a lot of, like, you just turn on the news, and after the news, you kind of go, what is the world coming to? And some super spiritual Christian will go, the end. <laughs> and I'm thinking, sometimes you just got to turn off the news. You, 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 just, you can be so filled with negativity. You can be so filled with doom and gloom and, you know, the world's gone to hell. Can I tell you? I want to be the first to smile. I want to walk into a room and I want to light up the room. I want to bring joy. The Bible says in His presence, there's fullness of joy. I don't know where some people have been. They come up to me and they go, I've been in the presence of God Almighty. And I go, dude, go back. <laughs> You're not done yet. I'll know when you've been in His presence because in His presence there's fullness of joy and the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. I want to be the first to smile. How about you? When you get on, catch the train on the way to work or in a bus or maybe standing in a line, it is amazing what reactions you get just smiling. Not a creepy smile. I want to be the first to forgive. I want to be that guy. I want to be bigger than. I want to be better than the offence. I, I, I want to get over things quickly. I want to be the first to smile and I want to be first to forgive. I want to be the first to give. Of all the things that I could ever pray for about an epitaph of my life, it would be a lot of nice things have been said. I hope some of them are true. But of all the things that I'd like to have said about me is Steve, was a generous person. I want to be the first to give. I'm looking for the opportunity. Every time I hear it's a child's birthday, please do not run up to me with a thousand children after the service, so I'm going to be in trouble. But I love to just go, hey, I want to be the first. Happy birthday. And all over the world, I go places, and kids come up and go, you gave me $50, you gave me $20. And I love it. They'll never forget it. I want to encourage you. Come on, let's be generous. The generous man will prosper. Don't make generosity about you being on the receiving end of that. Make generosity about you being the first to give in Jesus' name. How about this one? The first to be kind. Amen? Or what about this one? This one's big. The first to not to rush, rush to judgment. I look on social media today, the way some Christians talk to other Christians, and we're all judging each other. And I'm thinking, dear God, could you just read your Bible? Could you just be a Christian? Could you not be so harsh and mean and judgmental? I love when the, Jesus said to the disciples, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. And the disciples were ready to call down fire on a crowd of people that Jesus was loving and Jesus was serving. And they were ready to put doom and gloom. They were ready to nuke them. And God comes along. Jesus says, you don't even know what spirit you are of. I want to encourage this church. Let's be the first. Can you say amen? 
So I know some people would say, well, we believe this message. That's a good word. I believe in being generous, but yeah, I just don't have anything to be generous with. Well, I wrote down a few thoughts that might help you get started. Here's the first one. Why don't you divert just one expense? Like, I know you believe in the principle of generosity, but I know you've also somehow convinced yourself, I don't have anything left to give. We'll talk just a little bit about money for a moment in this thought of generosity. Why don't you cancel Netflix and get off Netflix that monthly and re-divert that expense to someone else or to something else? Amen? So rather than say, I can't do it, why don't you get intentional and divert one expense? Or how about this thought? Spend more time with generous people. That's why I love being around Paul Marie, the most generous people I know. And I don't just mean generous with their finance, but with their time, with their heart, with their love, with their attention, their devotion. Get around someone who's generous. Now, don't get around generous people so you can get from them their generosity. But let the generosity rub off on you and learn and look at their life and say, that's the kind of life I want to live. And it's the way to do that, spend more time. I love this one. I love this one. Think about this. Start on something small. Just do something little and just start there. This is perhaps my favorite. Embrace gratitude. Fight, be somebody who's looking to acknowledge someone to give someone affirmation when you see someone doing something well. Because this whole world's all about pointing out what's wrong with everything and everybody else. And politically speaking, dear God, you know, you kind of, I always say to our church in Virginia Beach, it got very polarized with, and I say, I just want to tell you, God's not a Republican and God's not a Democrat. And then I say something really shocking. God's not even American. They all go, oh yeah, that's a good point. I, I want to be the first to embrace gratitude. I walked into Starbucks just recently back in the States and it's a very busy Starbucks and always having coffee is always the will of God. Amen. I mean, God is so into coffee. He wrote a book called Hebrews. I, I would like to rename the coffee shop, Luke. I, I would like to rename your coffee shop. I think it should be called Jehovah Java. I'm into coffee. Coffee is always the will of God. My wife, when she tries to talk to you in the morning, I just grunt till I've had two coffees. I, I'm not even able to speak legibly until I've had a couple of coffees. I was in Starbucks and it was busy. You know, in, I don't know what it's like here, but the, you know, after the pandemic, everybody got into these new routines of the drive-through. So the drive-through's never been busier. The other thing that's happened is everybody's got into call ahead. And so Starbucks has never made more money, never been busier. And now it's still got the foot traffic. I'm the foot traffic guy. I like to go in, grab a coffee. There must have been 20 people waiting for their coffee. And I, I mean, I, even I was kind of like, gee, this is going to take a while because they're serving all the drive through all the phone-in coffees. There's all these coffees there. And, uh, but there's people waiting. And I could tell they were getting agitated. One or two were expressing their displeasure. Uh, for the amount of time it was taking. And I watched this one barista. He was brilliant. He kept looking at all these 20 people and he'd go, hey, and he'd go, hey, what, what's your name? And the person says, my name's Tim. He goes, I got you, Tim, I see you. And he goes, one, two, he goes, you're the third in line. It's coming, Tim, it's all good. Hey, and he'd look for the most impatient person. And he goes, what's your name? And she'd go, my name's Betty. He goes, Betty, 
I got you. I'm moving yours up. I can tell you're in a hurry. And I'm telling you, this guy was a master of dialing down everybody's impatience, all because he was letting them know he saw them and they were important to him and he was going to get them their coffee. Now I'm standing there 20, 25 minutes into it and I'm just smiling. And I'm watching him. I am taken with his people skills. And finally, when it came to my turn, he goes, what's your name? I said, my name's Steve. He goes, we got you, Steve. And I'm thinking it's about time. But <laughs> I did say, I said, hey, man, what's your name? And he went, what? I said, well, you know my name. It's written on the cup, Steve. What's your name? And he goes, well, my name's, I think he said Joe, actually. And I said, Joe, that's a cool name. I want to tell you something, Joe. You're amazing. I've watched you. You dial down everyone's impatience. You have amazing people skills. You could work for me any day of the week. Man, you handle these people so well. And I got to tell you, I saw him pull back his shoulders, stick out his chest. He had an extra big smile. Can we be people who embrace gratitude and acknowledge and help people? Come on. Life's going to knock it out of them. Our job is to put it in them. What about this thought? Maybe we can actually find a cause with a kingdom passion. I love the fact that we're in God's house. I love the fact that we're sitting in a church today that somebody put money towards so that you could be here today. I love the thought of what we do in the church, that the church is the hope of the world and that we can find a cause with a kingdom passion and we can be generous toward that. Can anybody say amen? Here's the last thought about generosity. Maybe we could actually live a little less extravagant. You say, wait a minute, I thought you were preaching on generosity and prosperity. Maybe we could live a little less extravagant. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 4. For him who is joined to the living, there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. A living dog is better. Now, if you've got a house and you want to make sure that you've got your house guarded, and you got a choice between a little chihuahua and a dead lion. The dead lion may look scary until you figure out the thing's dead. And it's of no use or value. It looks good, but it's dead. But if you got a little chihuahua, at least the chihuahua's barking and letting you know someone's out there. Some of us live in a house that's a dead lion. Some of us drive a car that's a dead lion. And the truth is, if God told us to be generous to someone else, we wouldn't have that money to give because all that money's spoken for in a mortgage payment. All that money's spoken for in a car payment. Maybe we could just dial that down a little and a living dog is better than a dead lion in Jesus. Just turn to the person next to you and say, that was for someone else. That wasn't for any. <laughs> Here's the second thought. The generous man, listen to this, will prosper. That word's in the Bible. Prosper is in the Bible. And I want to tell you what prosperity isn't. Prosperity isn't what you have. It's what you have left after you've paid your bills. See, the truth is some people are up to their nostrils in debt. And if God told them to give $20, they wouldn't have the $20 to give. Prosperity is across your whole life. If you've got a prosperous life, listen, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his family. If you're working so hard that you don't have a family anymore, that's not the biblical definition of prosperity. It's having a blessed marriage. It's having a, 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 your kids like you. When I got home, when I was a dad, I'm still a dad, but now the kids don't come home. They're all married. We got three kids, and we're about to have our ninth grandchild. 
I know what you're all thinking. I do not look old enough to have nine grandchildren. You are so right. Praise the Lord. But, you know, I, I want to make sure when I got home, my kids went, cool, dad's home. The fun has arrived. Not, oh, no, dad's home. I'm committed. I want to make sure with the neighbors that I'm getting on well with my neighbors and I've got to go out of my way sometimes to even get to know their names because they're so used to living in their little cocoon and at work. And, and, and you know, it's the way you think. Prosperity is a mindset. Listen to 3 John. Look what the Bible says. Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and are in good health, even as your soul prospers. It is the will of God for you to prosper. It is the will of God for you to be in good health. It is the will of God for you to be healed. It is the will of God for you to be blessed. Amen. Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and are in good, but it's all connected to your soul. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You don't need a clairvoyant to declare your future. You don't need to go to a tarot card reader. You don't need to go to a medium. You don't need to read the horoscope. All you got to do is think about what are your thoughts. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Here's the thought. Today's thoughts, tomorrow's realities. So if you don't like what's in your life today, change your thinking and you can change your future. Amen. Look what the Bible says. Give me a look at this. I love this verse. It says in Deuteronomy 28, and I want you to shout out the word that I stop at. Is that okay? So hopefully we got it up on the screen. And when I stop, you shout out the next word. The Lord will make you the, and not the, the Lord will make you the, there's a lot of good stuff going on at the head, isn't there? There's sight at the head. There's vision at the head. There's hearing at the head. Hopefully there's some brains in the head. There's smell at the head. There's touch, there's speech at the head. There's taste at the head. A lot of good stuff going on at the head. Not a lot of exciting stuff going on at the tail. The only thing the tail's good for is disposing of unwanted matter. And the Lord says, I will make you the head and not the tail. I love that. Look at this. It says, and it says, oh, where are we? Verse 13. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the and never at the. Listen to Joshua chapter 1. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from the right or to the left. Watch this. That you may be successful. That word's in the Bible. God wants you to prosper. God wants you to be successful. Wherever you go, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night that you may be careful to do everything written in. Watch. Then you will be prosperous and successful. When? Then. When's then? When you take the Word of God, you meditate on a day and night, you are strong and you are courageous to do everything. And God says, He doesn't say, I will make you prosperous. He doesn't say, I will make you successful. He goes, if you do this, 
You will make your way prosperous. You will be successful. It is the will of God. If we're going to change and affect community for you and I to be generous and prospering in Jesus' name. Turn to the person next to you and say, we receive that. And let me finish with this last thought. I love this. Proverbs 11. The generous man will prosper and he who refreshes others himself will be refreshed. And I know that we can read that and go, oh, I need refreshing. Man, do I want refreshing? Lord, I need refreshing. Amen. But the key to it is he who refreshes others will be, don't make it about you. Amen. This is not, in the world, this is the thought. You scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. You look after me, I'll look after, that's the world. That's how the world thinks. That's not what God's saying here. God is saying something way deeper than that. Listen to this. When God sees you being kind to the poor, do you know what God says? Look at this first. Look at this. We'll put it up on the screen. He who is kind to the poor, look at this, lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. Do you know what God's saying? When I see you be kind to needy people, I owe you. I will repay you, says the Lord. I will reward you. When we give to people who can't give back. Are you hearing me? It's not you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. And how many know that anybody who doesn't yet know Jesus as their Lord and Savior are the poorest of them all? Bound for a Christless eternity. That's why I love the church. The church is the hope of the world. Come on, somebody say amen. He who refreshes others will be himself refreshed. Let me show you how this works out in Scripture. There's a couple of really good examples that I think show this. Genesis 24, Abraham. He was the richest man in the world. He was Elon Musk, Warren Buffett, Jeff Bezos, all roll, and Donald Trump all rolled into one. He was the richest man in the known world. The Bible goes to great lengths to express how wealthy and how influential he was. And God promised him, you are gonna be the father of many nations. And he believed the promise. He got there. He, he had a couple of moments where he kind of told some lies. He got a little impatient. Um, and, uh, but he got there and he said to his servant, listen, God promised me that I would be the father of many nations, and yet my son isn't yet married, and I'm old and soon going to pass away. But for me to be the father of many nations, my son needs to marry. So I want you, my most trusted servant, to go and find a future wife for my son. Now, I don't know about you, but I did not want my parents picking my spouse. But now, I'm, now that I've got kids, and they've, want, they've, they've gotten married, I actually wanted to help them pick their spouse. Anybody? And now that I've got grandchildren, dear God, do I want to help them pick their spouse. I don't want them to get married, to tell you the truth. Genesis 24. Here's the prayer Abraham's servant prayed, trying to find a wife for Isaac. And then he prayed, Lord God of my master Abraham, make me successful Today, how many have actually prayed that prayer? God, make me successful. 
Show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I'm standing beside the spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming to draw water. May it be that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar that I may have a drink. And she says, drink and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you've chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know you've shown kindness to my master. Think about what he's saying. I'm gonna go into this town where no one knows me. No one knows who I am, whose master I am. And I'm gonna ask this young girl if she'd give me a drink of water. And I'll know that the right person for my master's son, for her, his spouse, is the woman who says, not only will I give you a drink, but I'll water your camels too. That's got to come from her. And if she'll, she'll be the one that does that, she'll be the one for my master's son, for his wife. Now watch this now. I love this. Before he finished praying, don't you love how God answered prayer so quickly sometimes? Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder and she was the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother, Nabal. And the woman was very beautiful. I don't think the Bible wastes words. She was good looking and a virgin. Wow, what's that in today's world? In case you didn't know, the Bible tells you, no man had ever slept with her. She went down to the spring and filled a jar and came up again. Now that in and of itself is an effort. Are you hearing me? And the servant hurried to meet her. And he said, please give me a little drink of water from your jar. Look what he said. Give me a little drink of water from your jar. And she said, drink, my Lord. She didn't know him. She said, drink, my Lord, and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. And after she had given him a drink, she goes, I'll draw water for your camels too. Watch this. Until they've had enough to drink. Hey, church, do you have any idea how much water camels drink? Do you know those humps in their back? That's where they store water. And the Bible says that she drew enough for the camels to drink. And then it says she had to run back and fill the jar again until each of the camels had enough. He who refreshes others himself will be refreshed. That act of generosity, that act of kindness put her before Isaac the son of the wealthiest man in the world. And she lived a blessed life all by willing to put herself out and refresh someone else. And I want to tell you, your future, your success, your blessing is wrapped up in thinking about others. And if you are willing to refresh others, God will see to it that you are refreshed. Come on, somebody say amen. I want to show you one more story in the Bible. And I'm done. Watch this. This is a really good illustration. You see, I think there's a lost word in today's world. And I think the word that is lost is this word called work. We are looking to get more money for less hours. We're looking for more time off. And I'm not against getting time off. I love having vacation. I love it all. But I think we've got to be careful we don't creep over into some sense of entitlement that becomes unhealthy. And, and we start thinking about just ourselves. And I want to talk to you for a moment about Ruth, Naomi, and a man called Boaz. And see, Ruth lost her husband. 
And Naomi, her mother-in-law, her husband died. And Naomi said to Ruth, listen, you're not from my area. You're not from my faith. You're not from my people. Go back so your family can look after you. And Ruth said, as surely as the Lord lives, your God is my God. Your people are my people. This is the best Old Testament example of a conversion to faith. And Ruth said, I'm with you, Naomi. But they faced financial hardship because they both lost their husband. And in the face of necessity, Ruth says, I'll go out into a field and I'll pick up leftovers. And God blesses Ruth's agricultural labor picking by Ruth just going into a field. After the harvesters had been through a field, what they left behind was nothing, was minuscule. But Ruth said, I'll go into that field and what everybody else left, I'll gather. And she didn't just gather enough for herself, but she gathered enough for her mother-in-law. And, the, and I want you to look at this. Boaz, who owned this field, who saw it, he saw how, she, how hard she worked. And as a result of seeing her willingness to work, he kept watching her and he kept saying to everybody, leave her alone, don't touch her, don't mess with her. And God's faithfulness underlies human productivity. I want you to hear this. God's faithfulness underlies human productivity. But people have to do the work. He who refreshes others himself will be refreshed. This was God's intent from the beginning. You know what God said to, to Adam? He goes, out of the sweat of your brow, you shall eat. In other words, God's blessing and God's provision is whacked, wrapped up in our willingness to work. Come on, somebody say amen. Do you know, sometimes our pastors back in Virginia Beach, and I know this is nothing different. Every church you go to is the same. When the service starts, um, there's a whole lot of people come in up for about 20 minutes after the service. And, and our pastors say, Steve, you need to get on the people who come in late every Sunday. They're late every Sunday. And I say, leave them alone. Don't you pick on. I'm just glad they come. I think God honors the, the petrol they spent to get the church, the time and the effort. Don't you be picking on them. Stop it. And all the people who are late, we know where you are. All the people, they go, amen. And I go, just remember this. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So if you're late turning up to God's house, don't be surprised if he's late turning up. Oh, okay. We'll just. <laughs> Getting to work on time means you're there five minutes before you start. Come on, somebody. And look what happens here. Ruth was eager to work. And she was eager to work hard to support herself and Naomi. Listen to what she said. Let me go into the field, she implored. And when she was given a chance to work, her co-workers said, what do your co-workers say about you? Her co-workers reported, she's been on her feet, watch this, from early this morning until now, without resting even for a moment. Her work was exceptionally productive. When she came home after the first day's work, what everybody else thought is, is, is just minuscule, unimportant, leftovers, she brought home five gallons of barley. And Boaz was so impressed with this woman because she wasn't just thinking 
about herself, but she was thinking about her mother-in-law. He ends up marrying her. Now, girls, you be careful who you marry because Boaz has got some bad relatives and you don't want to date the bad relatives. Did you know Boaz has got some relatives that you really don't want to hang out with? Let me tell you who they are. There's broke ass. There's poor ass. There's lion ass. There's cheap ass. There's dumb ass. There's locked up ass. There's lazy ass, good for nothing ass, beat your ass. Wait on your Boaz. Come on and make sure he respects your ass. She married Boaz. And Boaz not just embraced her, but embraced the mother-in-law. Here's the prince. Look at me as I close. He who refreshes others himself will be refreshed. Let's keep our eyes on community. Let's keep our eyes on outside ourselves. And God will take care of you and cross every T and dot every I. Be willing to work and God will bless the labor of your work. Do you receive the word? Come on, come on, do you receive the word? Thank you for listening to this podcast. I trust you're encouraged by this incredibly powerful word. You know, you've always got a place to call home here at Life, and I want to encourage you to join us in one of our campuses in Auckland or Tauranga, or why don't you join us at Church Online. To find out more about life and to stay connected with us, why don't you visit lifenz.org.